Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Yeah, so uh, so grateful uh, to hear testimonies like that, testimonies of, uh, of young men and young women in our church that have found uh, mentoring relationships, that have found uh, those that are a little further along in their walk with Christ, that are willing uh, to pour into them, whether it's one-on-one or in uh, discipling groups, and, and just encourages my heart um, just to, to see those relationships. And I want to encourage you uh, really on, on two levels. If you don't have uh, someone that is further along in their walk with Christ pouring into you, uh, you can find uh, those folks out there, no matter how far we are along, there are people that can uh, just engage and help to sharpen us in our walk with Christ as we engage around the Word. And if you don't have uh, someone that you're pouring into, uh, those relationships are incredible and just beautiful. We see those uh, throughout the scriptures. We see really uh, this picture of Paul and Timothy, and we just see uh, how God really uses those relationships in incredible ways. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote to young Timothy, he said, my hope is, and he gives him this command that he would take those things which he had heard and seen and learned from him. And the scripture says, in the presence of many witnesses, and he says, take those things and then uh, teach them to others, uh, to other faithful men, the scripture says, who will go and, and do likewise. And so we want to have those kind of relationships uh, that we might, uh, and really the goal is that we might know Jesus more, and then we might grow in our love for him. Uh, I brought this, this jar this morning, and some of you may have been here a few years back when I used this, and uh, I've kept this in my office really as a, a reminder to me, and and as I need that reminder really every day, uh, I hope that it'll be a good reminder to all of us and maybe with just another uh, little little twist on that. But inside the jar, there's some large rocks. And uh, when we first did the illustration, I had kind of all of them separate and we had all the little rocks in there and, and really just this uh, reality that we couldn't fit the big rocks in once everything else was piled in. And, uh, and, and then we took them out and, and put just the big rocks in. And then uh, which this isn't exactly true in our, in our lives, but, but we found that in this illustration that all the rocks would, would fit in there. And the, and the heart of the illustration is really that if we'll, we'll seek first the important things, if we'll put those big rocks in, then everything else will fit. Uh, the reality is that everything in our lives probably won't fit. But we do want to make sure that we have those big rocks in. There are things that may need pruned. There are things that we may find are, are not important that we need uh, to get rid of. And, you know, I was talking to somebody this morning, and uh, they were talking about my daughter and, and said, hey, she's going to graduate in a, a, a year and a half. You know, we were on the elevator coming down, and they were like, get ready. You've got all these things that are coming. You've got all these, uh, you know, next steps and things that you'll, you'll begin to take care of, and, and, and it's going to go so fast. And then, uh, and then they said, enjoy it as well. And you know, I, I, I've thought this, this past weekend or this past Friday uh, had, you know, there's always a lot of things to do, right? There's always a million tasks, a million things that we could fill up our time with. But I had an opportunity. She was out of school that day and I had an opportunity where I could uh, maybe go on a date lunch with her. And so I was marinating all those important things that need to be done. But I said, you know, if, in, in my mind, I thought, you know, I'm only going to have a few more of these really. And so we, we went out and had some lunch and you know, when we think about the important things in our life, we're in a series 
that we just kicked off called Abundant Life. And really the key verse that we would run to in that series is John 10, 10. And, uh, and the scripture says, the thief comes only. And we were reminded last week that the thief comes for one thing. He only comes, right? The enemy does nothing more. And his desire is that he would steal, kill, and to destroy. And that he would desire uh, to do wreckage in the midst of our lives, in the midst of our uh, families, in the midst of our church. We recognize that this is what the enemy desires. But Jesus said, I came that they might have life and that they might have it abundant. And this abundant life that we read about, it, we recognize that in Christ we have eternal life, but that there is, uh, there is abundant life even now. And, and I want to make the statement, right, that abundant life, right, the abundant life is the life of a Jesus follower. And last week we had the boxes, if you were here, and we, we kind of categorized and we said that if you take the Gospels and you read the Gospels and you look at every story of the life of Christ, that they're going uh, to be able to fit in one of these three boxes. We would see that the life of Christ, if we're going to live the life of a Jesus follower, it's going to look like Jesus. And so when we look at his life, we see that he invested. And what was important were these, uh, these key relationships. And we saw Jesus's relationship with his father. We saw Jesus's relationship with the disciples. And we saw Jesus's relationship with the world. And so all of the stories of Christ would fit in uh, those categories. Now, we think about this abundant life and we, we recognize, and, and last week we talked about how just this reality that it can't be in regards to things that we have. It can't be connected to stuff, right? It can't be that that's how we find an abundant life because we see people in Honduras or we see people when we are on short-term mission trips or even maybe people that we know in our community that don't have all the things, right? I can think about uh, some of the, the older generation that you might visit with. They don't have all the stuff, but it seems like there's such a peace and such a joy. And you see just the life of Christ oozing out from them. So we know it's not connected to things, that it's connected to something else, that, it, that, that the life of Jesus really is all about relationships. Now, when we think about the big things that we put in our life, and you might be thinking about what are some important things that you need to get done. And a lot of people in the business world, where, where people look at these productivity kind of things, and they say, we want to rank our tasks based on uh, what's important and urgent. And then we want to have these things that are important and not urgent. And we want to be working in these quadrants to, to be efficient so that we're working ahead. And we think about all these things, and there's all these matrices, but I want you to think about this a little differently, because the life of a Jesus follower is ordered not around what is important, but I want you to see this. The life of a Jesus follower is ordered around who is important instead of being crowded out by what is not. And one of the greatest ways that our enemy, uh, I believe, works is through the busyness and the, the, all the things and the distractions and all the way that we kind of get pulled in. We'll look at some of those things. But as we lean in today, we are a church that says we love God and we love people and we put that love in action. And those three things, they really categorize those relationships that we see in the life of Christ. We see his relationship with his father. We love God. We see his relationship with his disciples and we love 
people. We love one another. We love uh, in that way. And then we see his relationship with the world. And we're going to get to that in a few weeks and see just how there's an intentionality of our relationship with those people who are far from God that don't know Jesus at all. But today we're going to focus on the big rock. The thing that I want to encourage you must go in first. The thing that everything else is connected to. And, And it's this relationship that we have with God, this abundant love that, that comes from this abundant life. We, we think about the love that we have and the way that we are to love God. How, how, do, we, how do we demonstrate that? Uh, I was in a, a small group this past Wednesday night and part of the teaching uh, brought up this subject and they said that kids spell love T-I-M-E. Now we see that, right? We, we see that in our lives, our kids uh, and, and, and somehow we see how fast time goes away. Uh, I want to encourage you and I want to implore you that God spells love, obedience. And then we think about our lives and a lot of us, maybe we came up in uh, an environment or maybe there's been this thought in our life that we come to faith in Christ, we uh, surrender our life to Christ, and are born again into the family of God. And then uh, there's this, this tension that we face between we know our life is to change. We know that uh, we are, are commanded to walk in holiness. We know we've been commanded to turn from sin and turn uh, to God to live this continuing life of repentance. But what we find is that sometimes the, the flesh is overpowering. It feels like the, the same sin that we may have walked in, uh, that, that we have this temptation to walk in those things and we still struggle in the midst of those things, and, and we become frustrated because we're saying, you know what, I know that I have to stop doing this and I need to start doing this. And our whole Christian life has been equated to doing these certain things and not doing these certain things. But what if, what if in the midst of this, we, we recognize that in that we become so very frustrated because we're trying to live the life of a Jesus follower in our own strength? And what if we're going at it all in the wrong ways? And what if the greatest problem that we might have in the church today, what if the greatest problem that we might experience is a lack of love for Jesus? What if at the root of so many things we would find that core? And and we say that we love him, but if we don't spend time with him, We say that we love him and we don't walk in obedience to him. And so I want to invite you to take your copy of God's word, to take the scriptures and turn to John chapter 15. And I believe there's really one of the core uh, truths and one of the core teachings that that, that we can lean into here. And and the heart of uh, our study, the heart of our our coming together under the word of God is that we might know Jesus, that we might know more about him, that we might know more of who he is and his character and his grace and his goodness. And we know him as we open this, this passage. This is a, a, a great passage, and we're going to see the word abide in there. And, and so as we open into this passage, I want to encourage that we know him by abiding in him. Now, in this context that's here, Jesus is preparing his disciples for his upcoming death, for his Uh, For his death on the cross, his resurrection, his ascension, and he is teaching them. He's giving them uh, these final instructions, and he's saying, this is what it looks like to be my disciple. This is what it looks like to live life as a Jesus follower. And in John 15, beginning in verse 1, we read these words. Jesus said, I am the true vine. 
Now, notice he put the word true in there because there's a lot of false uh, teachings and a lot of false prophecies, a lot of things that are trying to declare those things. But Jesus said, I am the true vine. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He, in the book of John, he's been seeing these statements of I am the bread of life. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. And what we're going to see is this, this evidence of abiding in Christ and this evidence of being connected to the vine is seen in fruit. Fruit is the measure. And what we see in this verse, right, that, that he prunes, he said every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it that it may bear more fruit. And God is working in every believer's life. He is working in our lives to conform us to the image of his son. He's working uh, to sanctify us and to make us look more like him. As the brother of Jesus, as he wrote uh, in the book of James, he said, consider it pure joy when you encounter diverse trials, these various trials. And we know, right, we walk in the midst of a world that is filled with brokenness. And in the midst of that, we encounter all kinds of trials. And we said when we were walking through the book of James that these trials are trails. I kept transposing the letters. And then all of a sudden it hit me, right, that these trials, that they're trails that God is using to make us complete in Christ. And so we recognize that there's pruning. We recognize that that he is pruning away parts that don't look like him. Verse 3 says, you're already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Verse 4, abide in me. Now this is what Jesus is going to do. He says, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. And then in verse 5, I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit for apart from me. And I want you to hear these words, right? We, 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 we think so many times that we can walk in our own strength. Uh, the way that we live the Christian life many times declares, whether we realize it or not, that we believe we can do this thing on our own. But Jesus has been very clear, and he says, apart from me, you can do Nothing. See, this abiding relationship with Jesus Christ, it it has to do with intimacy and relationship, with dwelling with him, with knowing him. And and, and here's this thing. Jesus is coming, and he's saying abundant life, abundant life comes from me. Life comes from me. You are in Christ when you... Place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And then he says, live your life out of connection and relationship with me. Now, this branch, I had a little green on it, which not many do this time of year. And I took it off a little holly tree uh, in my driveway and uh, on the way to church this morning. And and there's some green in this and there's some appearance uh, of life here. But the reality is that the only way that this branch experiences life is if the trunk and the sap of that trunk is pressed out and and through the branches of this tree. 
And no matter what we do, right, we can hang fruit on this thing. We can, uh, we can put little holly berries that look like it was doing all those kind of things. We can, we can do all those kind of things. But the reality is that, that the only life, right, is coming and being pressed in through the branches. And so when we live the Christian life, sometimes we can try to do all these things. We can say, I'm showing up here and I'm serving in this way and I'm doing all these kind of things. But the reality is that when, when we look at the fruit that is spoken about in this passage, right, what, what we recognize is that in Christ, Jesus has made us alive. He's given us the Holy Spirit that lives within us. The life of Christ begins to be pressed in and through our lives, right? And the evidence of a relationship with Jesus is in the fruit of the, of the vine, right? The fruit of the vine that's being pressed out through the branches. Now, when we think about this, that there, there's a, a commentator that I read, uh, Matt Carter. He had a couple of quotes that I just loved. Um, here's, a, here's the first one. Being united with Jesus brings life, and life is revealed by fruit. Now, the command in, in verse 4, right, is that we would abide. This is what we are to do. Now, we hear that different, though. A lot of times we've heard that, and maybe we've thought that, that we thought the command is that we would bear fruit. We've thought the command is that we would do all these things, but the command is that we would abide in Him. And when we see fruit trees, right, we drive down the road and we, we see a, a fruit tree. I, I see, uh, you know, just these uh, uh, couples that I've done uh, premarital work with. And one of the questions, right, Hannah and Trevor, I remember them getting a kick out of this because one of the questions that they uh, have to ask somebody is, is talking about the fruits of the Spirit that are being seen in uh, their marriage and where those come from and how those things look. And what we realize is when we examine a fruit tree, you've never gone by an apple orchard and heard the trees grunting up there uh, in the orchard, right? You don't drive by and they're straining and they're, ah, you know, you don't see those kind of things because here's what's happening. It's a natural process. As the life of that tree is pressed out through the branches, fruit is something that's natural. And what we see in this passage, he says, abide in me. He says, I am the vine. He says, abide in me. Verse 5, he said, he who abides in me and I in him, here's what he does. He bears much fruit because apart from me, he says, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Matt Carter says this. He says, the key to the Christian life is Christ's life in the Christian. See, the life of a Jesus follower is not us doing a bunch of things for Jesus. It's not us living for him. It is Jesus living his life in and through us. And as we lean into these things, the question is, how do, how do we get to know God? How do we learn more about who he is? How do we know him? Well, the first thing we do is we talk to him, right? We, we pray, we spend time with him. We, we spend time uh, in fellowship with him. We spend time alone with him. The second thing, we listen to him. And the way God has chosen to primarily speak to us is through his word. So we spend time in prayer. We spend time in his Word And as we pray and as we marinate on the Word of God, uh, the Holy Spirit reveals more of who Jesus is to us. We are revealed, we learn more of His character, and we know Him more. And, and so the first thing that we got to focus on in this talk, we need to know Jesus. We want to abide in Him, time with Him. And here's the truth. The more we know Him, the more we love Him. First John 4.19 says that we love because He first loved us. 
the more we understand the depths of his love, the more we focus on the gospel, the more we are reminded of his great love for us, the more we love him. You know, when I married my bride, it was 25 years ago, and we walked down an aisle, and we stood in front of a church, and we made vows to one another and to the Lord, and I told her that day, I said, honey, I love you, and I meant it with everything that I have, but I want you to know that my love today, and my love today for you is much greater than it was 25 years ago. Because we've been spending time together. Then I've learned more about her. And I know her more now than I did. And so over this time. And when we think about Paul's prayer for the church at Ephesus. He said his prayer was that they might know the length and the, the width and the breadth and the depth. He said in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 18 and 19. He said that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints. What is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. And to know the love of Christ. And then he says, and it's so big. He said, we, we try to know the love of Christ and we look to the cross and we are reminded that God demonstrated his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is love that a man would lay down his life for his friends. We look in those things, but he says, listen, it is so big that it is actually beyond knowing. He says, and to know the love of Christ, verse 19, which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. And, and when we are in fellowship with God and, and we're abiding in him, our lives are filled and we, we live the rest of our life as an overflow of that relationship with God. We know Jesus by abiding in him. The more we know him, the more we love him. And the more we love him, the more we obey him. John 14, just a chapter Back, we read these words, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And we read those words, and could it be that some of the greatest problems that we struggle with in our life is in relation to this reality that we don't love Jesus correctly, that we, that we love our sin more than we love him, that we love our, 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 uh, our time and the things that we enjoy doing and our hobbies and the things that are there more than we love him. He says we... If we love him, you will keep my commandments. In verse 10 of, of John 15, if you look there, he says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. We've got to get this rock in first. And, and here's the thing. Motions that we go through simply to check a box, those motions, those things will never result in a move of God that will get down into the recesses of our life and, and will change us from the inside out. They will, they will work and do the hard work of conforming us to the image of Christ. You know, we were in a, a, a planning meeting this week, and as we were meeting and, and talking amongst the staff, and we were trying to, really not in the perspective of this morning, but in a similar way, we said, what are the big rocks, right? What are the big rocks in our areas that we, we serve in? What are the big things that we need to be engaging in? And what are the things that are important in our life? And where are we uh, missing those kind of things? And one of the staff members asked this question, and he said, how many of our folks are spending time with God regularly in the secret place. And I want to ask that question. And immediately, I just, I just want to confess, you know, one of the hardest things as your pastor to do is not to be in the Word of God. 
That, that's very easy for me. I, I'm continually reading and listening to books and doing things and, and, and listening to the scripture as I drive and doing all those kind of things. And, and recently when I was in school and trying to navigate those things, there's this temptation because there's such a volume of other things. There's this temptation to rise up in the morning and begin writing a paper. There's this temptation to rise up and begin prepping for this and doing this. And there's always a million things. There's always something that is trying to crowd out that time. But there are times where we get in that secret place and we get alone with God. And in those moments, everything changes. In those moments, we begin to live life out of an overflow of time that we've been in the presence of God. And I wonder how many of us find ourselves regularly in the secret place. Now, we think about all the time that we have. And when we think about these rocks, uh, I want to just make this statement that the big things are not necessarily the ones that take the most of our time, but they are the ones that make the most of our time matter. It may be that you spend 15 minutes when you rise up in the morning, just alone in the secret place. I don't know how much time you've got. I don't know what those things are there, but here's the reality. We all actually have the same amount of time. And we've got to order our time about who is important. And, and the first relationship in our life is our relationship with God. Jesus said in Matthew 6, he said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then the rest of things, right? All these other things will be added until you. He said the rest of these things will come into place. But here's the question. Could the noise of our world, could the, could the busyness of our lives be keeping us from the most important people that we have in our life, the most important things. And, and here's the reality. It is easy in our current climate to scroll our world away. It is easy to find ourselves spending hours and hours, four and five people within 15 minutes of them rising in the morning. They are on their phone. Last week, I quoted from Jim Elliott. He said, I think the devil has made it his business to monopolize on three elements, noise, hurry, and crowds. And Satan is quite aware of the power of silence. And I believe if he was writing those things today, that he might talk about, uh, you know, the, the noise comes from a lot of different directions. It could be pings and messages and social media and YouTube and all of these things that crowd out our time. But Satan still is well aware of the power of silence. Did you know that the average American spends two and a half hours per day on Facebook? The average American spends two and a half hours of day scrolling on Facebook. And yet many of us would say, you know what, I, I know I need to have more uh, of a relationship with God, but I'm so busy. I'm so, I've got so many things going on. We think about YouTube, and, and YouTube's not just a younger generation thing anymore, right? There are hours and hours and hours uh, that are spent uh, watching television, watching the news, watching YouTube, all of these things. And so my first challenge for us this week is that we might leave here and we might track our time, that we might just say, how much time am I spending 
on things that don't really matter? How much time am I spending in all of these, these things that are, are not the big things, that are not the big relationships that are in my life? How, how many of us, and we're going to get to our relationship with our family and our relationship with other believers and even our relationship with the world where we're engaging and we have relationships with people that are far from God for the very purpose of sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Track your time. Your phones, most of them will do it for you. You can look on your screen time and be accountable to somebody and say, this is, this is how much time that I'm scrolling. And I believe it will probably surprise us. The second challenge that I have for you is to demonstrate your dependence God, that you might demonstrate your dependence. When we put God first, we began to talk last week about the 5% life, and there's this challenge that we might spend 1% of our day, that, that we might spend 15 minutes, and we believe this is a, 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 just a starting point, but that you might take 15 minutes of your day, and that you might find yourself, that you might say, you know what, I'm going to do that in this place and at this time, and if it means I'm going to have to rise up early, if it means I'm going to have to do something different, I'm going to do that, and my heart is going to be uh, to talk to the Father and to hear from Him. We, we engage in those moments, and, and we declare our dependence on him. You know, I was in a, uh, the group that I was in this, this Wednesday, uh, that one of the things that were there uh, in the, the group, one of the things that they, uh, the teaching encouraged us to recognize, and maybe two of the most spiritual words that we could say today is, I can't. A lot of times we think, I'm strong enough. I can handle this. I can navigate this thing on my own. But Jesus was very clear. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, there are some things we can do apart from him, but they're not going to bear spiritual fruit. They're not going to be things that are, that are taking the kingdom further. They're not going to be things that are producing abundance in our life. Clyde Cranford, he was teaching on holiness. He said this, every time we go out of the house without having spent time with God, we are saying that we really don't need him. Just to soak that in for a second, right? Every time, every time we go out of the house without spending time with God, we're going into the midst of this world and we're saying we don't really need him. Now, God has made us to be very dependent people, people that are dependent on things that are outside of us. Uh, some of you, your bellies are rumbling and, and you're already considering where am I going to go to lunch and what am I going to eat? And we're very dependent on food. Uh, we, we are very dependent on water. Like we can't make it very long without that. Uh, my wife and I, we, we've been doing uh, kind of a, a healthier lifestyle for about the last, uh, I don't know, nine months or so. And part of that uh, plan and part of what we're doing there is we're supposed to drink half our body weight in water. When I first started doing that, I'm like, man, I know why I want to lose weight. Just so I don't have to drink any more water. Oh, my goodness. Like, that's motivation enough, right? And, and here's this, this reality, right? We, we're dependent on a lot of things. And then we begin to raise our kids. And there's a lot of us with children in the room. And part of our goal is that we might raise our kids in such a way that as they grow older, that their dependence on us would be less. 
right? That's what we're doing. We're, we're, we're trying to teach them how to do certain things. They learn to drive. They're gonna, we're looking for this time where we're continually preparing them to launch. We're continually preparing them uh, for that time that they will be out in the midst of this world and they'll be on their own, they'll be engaging, and that they might not be dependent on us, right? We're, we're doing those kind of things. But so many times what we're missing is that we need to be teaching our children that we are dependent on God, that we are dependent on Christ, and that our very next breath, and that every gift and everything that we have comes from Him. And we teach them that we are dependent on Him. We talk to Him about everything. Our life is filled with an intimacy with Him that not just begins in the morning, but that is throughout our day, that is in communion with Him. We read in the Scriptures to pray without ceasing in our whole lives are in conversation with God and we declare and demonstrate our dependence on him. Our kids at some level, right, they will always be our babies. They'll always, we'll always kind of look at them like that, but we're raising them to be independent. But here's the reality this morning and what we need to understand, no matter how old we are and no matter how much we grow, we are all little children to a holy God who loves us and we come to Christ. The scripture says in Mark 10 that truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. Matthew 18, we read in verse 4, whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Cranford goes on when he's talking about holiness and he says, how in the world do we expect to do anything but sin when we don't spend time with God? How do we expect to do anything else? How do we expect for any other fruit to be in our life if we are not living in dependence on God? him. And and this morning, some of us need to say, I can't do it. I've been trying. I can't do it. But God, I know you can. And beginning right now, instead of trying harder, instead of trying all these things, God, I'm just going to follow your word and I'm just going to abide in you. I'm going to spend time with you. I am dependent on you and everything about my life is going to declare that I can't, but you can and we live in that dependence on him and what we see in this passage and I wish we had time to just break down every verse and go through this whole passage but what we see in this passage is that fruit is the measure fruit is the measure of this relationship with God fruit is the measure that's to be seen by others in verse 6 as we close this morning the scripture says this he says if anyone does not abide in me And these are heavy words. These are the words of Christ. He said, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up and they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Those are heavy words. He says, listen, if there's there's no change in your life, when you're looking at this abiding relationship that results in fruit, Jesus on the inside It makes a difference on the outside. The scripture says if anyone is in Christ, that is a new creature, that old things are passed away and all things become new. A young child, uh, just thinking about the the reality that that we have Christ on the inside, right? That that we uh, have have Jesus in us, that, that the Holy Spirit is in us. He said, if God is in us, he said, God is so big. He said, if God lives in me, if God lives in us, he said, wouldn't he stick out? Yeah, he will. And the measure 
of our relationship and connection to the vine is seen in the life of Christ being pressed out through its branches. And he, he recognizes this. And then he says in verse 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. He says, listen, it's revealed in our prayer life, our dependence on God. And he says, my words abide in you. Instead of these selfish prayers and all these things that we engage in, we're praying the word of God. And our life is an overflow of time with him. In verse 8, he says, my father is glorified by this. You want to know how we glorify God in our lives as we abide in Christ? He says, my father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. So we've read that. Try, try, try. And we've missed it because what? It meant was abide, abide, abide. Spend time with Jesus. Live your life out of an overflow of Jesus. Live independence with him in every moment that you might live and that Jesus might live his life through you. And by doing that, you prove that you are his disciples. See, the evidence is in the fruit. We abide in him. And he enough. And we bear fruit. Because apart from him, no matter what it looks like, apart from him, we can do nothing. I want to invite you this morning as we just close in a time of worship, just to consider consider the, the big things, the priorities, the way you've ordered your life. Consider the the people and the relationships that are important. Consider this one big rock, right? Relationship with God, time with God, intimacy with God. And if we're not living out of an overflow of that, this morning we need to shift our priorities. We need to rearrange our life to be ordered around who matters most rather than what doesn't matter. I want to pray for us this morning. Maybe you're here and you look at your life and you say, you know what, I'm not sure that I have a relationship with Jesus. There's never been a change in my life. There's never been any visible evidence of Christ being on the inside in the fruit of love and joy. I want to invite you this morning to just reflect on your relationship with Christ. Do you have a relationship with him? If you don't, then this morning you, you can look to the cross and recognize that what Jesus did on that cross, when Jesus died on that cross, that it counted for you. you recognize that there was nothing you could do to earn your salvation, that there was nothing you could do uh, uh, to make you worthy, but that Jesus did everything, that he lived a sinless life, he died in our place, was placed in a borrowed tomb, and on the third day he rose from the grave. You believe. Scripture says if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord, that means he's in charge and not us. Believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that we could be saved, that we could call upon the name of the Lord. Scripture says whoever would call upon his name shall be saved. And if that's you this morning, you can begin to experience life as you're connected to the vine. And for others in this room, it may be that this morning we need to kneel and surrender to him and just declare our dependence. That say, God, I can't do it. That we might just kneel in the altar and say, God, I can't. 
But Lord, I'm dependent on you. Lord, help me. Lead me. Live for me. Live through me. Father, we love you. And we pray, God, you would have your will and way in every life. That you might grow us to look more like you. Lord, if there's anyone that don't know you, that today would be the day of salvation. That you would draw them in your your spirit's power, God. And that they would respond and surrender. God, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand with me this morning?